Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stripes Unfiltered, episode nine. We're almost there to episode 10. Back with my co-host, Isaac Azut. My guy, what's up? We're, we're going to do some time traveling today, I guess we could say. Yeah, it's going to be a fun episode. We're going to reminisce about a season in particular of the past, particularly the uh, the first one of the Derek Jeter era, but it's going to be back with you. It feels like these, these two weeks go by really quickly, so I'm happy to be here right before the new year ends. Here starts. Yeah, and this is the first episode of 2022, so... Um, I think this is the first thing you guys will be seeing in your feeds, in your pod feeds, 2022. So make sure to subscribe to YouTube, follow us on wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get right into it, which is the player spotlight. Um, we will be doing two players today to finish off the Marlins rotation. Jesus Luzardo and Eliezer Hernandez. So let's start with, with Eliezer. Um, very weird season, I would say, in my opinion. Uh, he started off pretty well first game and then he gets injured comes back gets injured that same game comes back and he just wasn't himself what were your thoughts on Eliezer's season Isaac just unlucky you know he he was just injured from the get-go that mild uh splinter thing he had on this in his first start of the season against Tampa and it took him a while to get back and then when he did come back he got injured running the bases in Pittsburgh but when he was pitching he was pitching decent and he would have held on a spot for a majority of the year so it's a shame that he had to go down as many times as he did. He looks to be a trade candidate at some point, although now I don't know because the Marlins have dealt a little bit from their pitching depth. But, yeah, it was, it was a tough season for Eliezer for more reasons than one, and we'll see where he's at in spring training. Yeah, just for more context, he had a 0.4 war, one win, three losses, 4.18 ERA, 11 games, play, 11 games started and played, uh, 51 innings pitch, 53 strikeouts, and a 1.3 one six whip so just not the best season for him this isn't the Eliezer we saw in 2020 uh and yeah you, you said it correctly this offseason it's going to be very likely he either gets dealt or we see him in the bullpen 
Uh, I, you know, we saw the report that Toronto was interested in him and Pablo Lopez, and we saw the possible options coming over back to Miami. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on I guess, that report going off of that? Where do you see Elias? Because in the bullpen, he makes a lot of sense too. This guy doesn't pitch too many innings. He doesn't go deep into games like Trevor or Sandy. It makes a lot of sense, and he's injury prone, so you would be protecting him from maybe some injuries he could sustain in a longer appearance, like a starting in the starting role. Yeah, well, with Eliezer, I think the the main reason he didn't get any bullpen time this year was just you know to show other teams that you know he's a starter, he's a starter. Even though I think you know you and I and everyone else on fish trips can can agree that he probably would that slider fastball combination would probably play very well in the bullpen. But I think they just kept him as a starter because one, he was a Rule Five pick, so they liked him there from the get go. And now they're just trying to you know show him off for other teams that hey, this can be a, your number three, four, five starter. So I'm a report. Toronto makes a lot of sense. They're a win now ball club that needs pitching. And you know, from what I've heard, I, I don't think Eliezer going to Toronto would net Miami anything that you know you or I would want. So I think he would be a supplementary piece to a guy like Pablo, maybe who would go to Toronto. But we're we're so far away from that that it's not really worth discussing now. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Eliezer would be honestly a great seventh or eighth inning guy in a bullpen. Yeah, and he's he's on a cheap deal. I think he's arbitration right now, correct? For the first time, yeah, he's gonna make about two million dollars this year. Yeah, so I mean, you you could really go different ways when it comes to where you see Eliezer. Definitely want to hear from you guys in the comments. Uh, where, where do you see Eliezer? Trade piece or bullpen? I, I think we all personally, I think he's gonna get traded if it's the right price because I don't think they'll go in there and try to get more prospects. Although maybe a low pitching prospect would make sense after dealing away on uh, Nicholas and getting. Dealing away Nicholas, he was the only pitcher that. Oh, and Zach Thompson was as well got traded. So we'll, we'll see what happens when it comes to Eliezer. And then the second guy to ra- to finish up the rotation, Jesus Luzardo, who was dealt for Starlin Marte in the 2021 trade deadline. We all remember that day. We went on spaces for the first time after that. It, we we it was a haul. At the end of the day, it was a haul considered a haul. Um, Miami did pay the rest of Starlin Marte's contract, which could be a big reason why we acquired Luzardo. So. Your thoughts on that trade initially and then his season at the you know with the Marlins? Yeah, man. I mean, at the time we all knew the struggles that Luzardo was having, but I think I think the consensus was that for five or six years of Luzardo for half for two months of Marte was definitely the right move. Oakland sort of maybe panicked a little bit, saying, like, hey, you know what, we're in this, and they ended up not making the postseason, but they felt they had a real shot, and Marte definitely made them better. And so they were willing to part with Jesus Luzardo. Some people in the industry were surprised. Some people weren't. Some people said, you know, Luzardo doesn't look great. And when he first came to Miami, he struggled. And he, he really did. He really struggled all year. He finished the year with a 6.44 ERA as a Marlin from August 2nd to October 2nd with a FIP of five. But one thing that, you know, I really liked was his last start of the season against Philadelphia. I was actually covering that game. And he looked phenomenal. He was making the MVP Bryce Harper look not very good. He made him look uncomfortable. And he went five innings, he struck out 11, gave a one and run. Swing and a miss for strike three, and Luzardo gets double-digit Ks. So, you know, if that's something that will foreshadow what he can be in 2022, that was a hell of a trade because Luzardo has, you know, like I said, for six years of Luzardo, for two months of Marte, I would take that any day of the week and twice on Sunday. And I think it's free to mention um... – you know, our good buddies, Aram Layton, did interview this guy just today. It was released today. We're recording this on a Thursday, so make sure to go check it out. I'm not one to plug too much, but this is definitely one you guys should 
definitely listen to this guy's, I guess, thought process through that whole season. Some of the guys he talks about in 2022. But yeah, Luzardo, it's weird. He had a lot of ups, a lot of downs. I knew the first thing that Alex Carver mentioned was his control. That was an, an issue. And I think that's the first thing we immediately saw. This guy was just pitching a little bit out of whack in that first game against the Mets. He gave a home run off to uh, Javi Baez. I, I remember that one easily. But he pitched a pretty decent game. Then in Colorado, he just got this. He he got dominated. There's no other way to say it. The guys were hitting off of him. CJ Crone got homers. It, it was bad. Um, and then he had that start against Cincinnati. That's another high. He had a really good start there. And then he finished yeah. it off with Philly, which I guess kept us all on high hopes. So seeing Luzardo, where do you see him next year? Bullpen starter? I think we look at it how we've looked at it with Eason in the past trades the Marlins have done, which I guess we'll get a little bit into later. Luz Luzardo was traded for Starlin Marte, and they're going to give him as all the chances possible to, to really get into that starting role, accommodate himself. Who cares about Max Meyer? Who cares about Jake Eater? Whoever. They're going to get this guy starting minutes. Now, Max, if Max Meyer is pitching a lot better in AAA, I'm doing I'm pulling the trigger, and I'm putting this guy, Max Meyer, over Luzardo, and I'm putting Luzardo in the bullpen. But I don't know. I see him as a good bullpen piece as well because you got rid of Zach Thompson, who I think we all thought he would be a, a piece in the future in that 2022 bullpen. But where do you see Luzardo next season? Yeah, Thompson actually had really good numbers, minus one really bad appearance that I was also covering out of the bullpen. Thompson was great. He had a, a yeah. sub ERA. Thompson was great. Um, Luzardo, he's going to open the season in the rotation, I would assume. Um, four or five spot you know you obviously have sandy and trevor and if he's here pablo one three and then four and five is up for grabs you have six so you have edward you have luzardo luzardo has the most major league experience of them all so you would assume that he's going to be on there he showed enough i would think to you know have that inside edge into spring training and into the opening day to be a number four or five starter in the rotation i don't think they're gonna put him in the bullpen anytime soon unless he just goes out in you know april through june and just gets demolished He'll be in the rotation for a while for sure. Like you said, that start against Cincinnati, start against Philly. He he did rack up the strikeouts. The only problem, like you mentioned with Alex Carver, mentioned it as well. He walked a ton. He walked 48 guys compared to the 98 strikeouts. So not exactly what you want to see. But if he can, like, you know, Fish Stripes wrote an article about it recently. If he can help, he can fix that fastball command. He'd be a great left-handed starter who throws hard and has pretty uh, an insane curveball. So he'd be a he'd be a starter in my eyes. So now I think it's time to take a nice time travel and let's go to 2018. So what we're going to be doing when it's just me and Isaac, when we don't have no guests, is we're going to be going through these seasons. So we're going to do 28 this time. So in two shows from now, we're going to go into 2019 season. Then we'll go from there. Then I think we go a little bit into the Loria era. So let's go right into 2018. Um, I know and I think it's fair enough to show the clip of how that season started. Uh, Isaac, you were there. Um, and that pretty much set the tone of how this Marlin season was going to go. So uh, here, here's the clip, folks. And baseball is back in 2018 as Ian Happ, a deep drive to right field, a leadoff home run for Ian Happ. And it's one nothing Cubs. I remember watching on MLB Network. I was watching MLB Network that day, and they were saying, who's going to be the first person to hit a home run in, the tw in that season? And they said Ian happened, and look what happened. Urania hit, uh, just threw a nice, a nice shot there to Ian Happen. He got a homer, 
And that pretty much set the tone for that season for the Marlins to go 63 and 98. I think the only positive we could go in there is that he was that they did pretty they did well at home. They were 38 and 43. And then away, they, they were horrendous, 25 and 55. Initial thoughts on that season after seeing all these trades go down, they rebuffed the minor league system a little bit. What were the, the positives of that season? There weren't too many to really look at, but well, I actually don't think there were any other than the emergence of Brian Anderson. You know, he was coming off his little stint in 2017 with Miami, you know, with Giancarlo and everyone's still here. He was the starting third baseman from the get-go. He played in almost every single game. But yeah, like you said, Urania, that was his first of two, I believe, opening day starts, and they were both really bad. Um, Urania got a lot of starts. Eliezer was probably another positive. I think that was the first year of him. And I remember opening, that was the first Derek Jeter opening day. Bruce Sherman, they were both sitting where Loria used to sit in the owner's seats right behind home plate. And man, that, that season did not bring a lot of a lot of joy. Cameron, it was fun to see Cameron Maven out in the outfield, but right away you saw Brinson was just gonna struggle. He rolled over to the left side every single at bat to start his career, and he was given every single opportunity a guy can be given. He played every single time. Every single game starting in center field and he went from batting first to batting fifth to batting eighth and boy that that season was just a disaster for him for some of the pitchers including Urania. not a lot of positives other than cooper played pretty well other than getting injured and brian anderson was a was a big positive as well and miguel rojas i would say too yeah and i think the biggest part about that season was them trying to reestablish the minor league system which in 2016 Dude, that mm-hmm. 17th season it was horrendous. There's no other way to say it. I was looking through it, and Tyler Kolek was in there. Justin Nicolino yep. was a piece there. There's so many guys we could go through in that minor league system. It was bad. And then their biggest move was, I guess, getting Victor Victor Mesa and Victor Mesa Jr. At the time, we look at it now, one of them has been better than the other, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out for them. And then Sandy Alcantara, he, he was in the minor league system for a bit there, so... But we could get that we could get into the minor league system in there for a bit, Isaac. Yeah, no, it was a big deal. I think it was towards the end of that year is when um, you know, they made those trades that one of those that was actually a question on a fish stripes live Jeopardy was that Kyle Barry Clark trade. They traded a few guys, I think, just to get some international bonus space and to sign those two guys because they needed to get his brother as well. And it was such a big deal to get Victor Victor Mesa and Victor Mesa Jr. And, you know, now that like the scouting reports at the time, like, I don't understand what was so, you know, hype about him, especially Victor Victor, because he was definitely limited offensively and still pipeline had him at number one and Mesa Jr. as pretty highly regarded as well. And there were just so many other guys on there that ended up having much better professional debuts and careers thus far. So it was just it was interesting. Obviously, sometimes people get it wrong. And that was one of the times. But, yeah, if you look back at this, um, at the top 30 list of 2018, you see guys like James Nelson, who I think is traded to New York, and you have Braxton Lee in center field, Chris Torres, Joe Dunan, Riley Mahan, Brian Hernandez, Trevor Richards. All these guys just, you know, either not in the organization or some of them not even in professional baseball anymore. So like Tyler Cole, like Isel Soto, Thomas Jones. It's a, It was not a good-looking system other than the revamped part of it, which was, you know, the whole Yelich Hall which was, you know, um, Brinson, Harrison, Isan, and Yamamoto, and then the Ozuna Hall, which was Sandy and Sierra, and Castano as well. But other than that, it was a really completed system. Yeah, which is still the the best hall till this day, I mean. For sure, for sure. And something else to keep in mind, I think the Miami system really 
became good in the middle of the 2019 season because that was when they acquired guys like Lewin. They acquired guys like Jesus Sanchez. Those were like the main offensive pieces. Six still was missing. acquired in that offseason as well. Six still, yeah. So that was in the offseason, correct. So I think that was the time when it really took a shine. They could have made it better in the 2018 season. Obviously, they had hit on these trades better. But, you know, no front office is perfect. And, you know, that clearly showed when you're looking at this first prospect pipeline post-rebuild. Usually like to see it a little bit better than, than it is now. But it, it worked out somewhat for the best. And just for more hindsight, the, the top prospect in 2017 before Jeter and Sherman came in was Braxton Garrett. So he was already acquired by the Marlins. And the number two guy, very notable name for us Marlins fan, is Tyler Kolek. So that was the final season of the Bruce of the uh, Loria era. Three was Brian Anderson. Four was Harlan the Marlin, Harlan Garcia. Number five was Dylan Peters. And in that list, you saw JT Riddle at 13, Austin Dean at 14. Cody Poteet was in there at 15. So, man, just looking at this is, is crazy. And you just keep going down. Uh, Justin Twine was in this at 2070. So he was considered a top 30 prospect at one moment. Thomas Talese was in there at 29. So you look at that year, that final year of Loria and this season now, it, it, it's been a huge change. Two different philosophies. You know, Loria and Samson, they did not care about the farm system. And that's, I'm not saying that's wrong or right. You know, preferably you would like to have some importance on the farm system, but they cared about the major league um, products and the major league product only. And they will trade guys. They had no problem trading guys like, you know, Luis Castillo for major league talent. They had no problem trading guys like Chris Paddock for, for you know, guys like that. So, it's just different philosophies, and you know we can't say one is better than the other. In Loria, 2016 and 2017, Miami was close, not extremely close, but close to a playoff berth. And with you know Jeter and this system so far, obviously in 2020 they did make the postseason in a 60-game sprint, but they haven't really come close in the, any of the other three years. So we'll have to wait and see if all this comes to fruition. But yeah, they have the farm system from 2017 and 2018 has really come a long way to now because their top prospects were just high draft picks. Tyler Kolick was the 2014 uh, second overall pick, I believe it Look was. Look he is now in 2018. He's, he's right, Yeah, Braxton Garrett, who was their first-round pick, and then you had Trevor Rogers, another first-round pick the next year. And 2018, I think it was Connor Scott. And just, you know, none of those guys have really panned out. So you gotta, we got to wait and see with these guys. Well, Trevor did pan out, so. And, yeah. and he's one of the more, more successful guys from that Loria era because he was the final pick of that Loria era. He was. Pablo was also from, from Loria. He was in that And that was a controversial one. No, I, Pablo, yes, Pablo was from the Loria era. And uh, the Trevor Rogers pick was actually controversial in the draft. I remember Craig Mish telling us a story that some, some people really wanted um, – I don't know if you like can jump in and remind me of the name. They wanted Evan White from Seattle. And they, some guys didn't even come to work the next day because they were so upset that they chose Trevor Rogers instead. And look what Trevor Rogers has become. That was a that was a fascinating nugget. I remember. Yeah, imagine just imagine if Trevor Rogers was in a Marlin. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first trade they made was one that I think we'll all be very happy about. The the it was the Caleb Smith and Garrett Cooper to Miami for Michael King, if I'm correct. Uh, it's the first one I'm seeing in the transactions page. So, I guess we'll, we'll go into that trade since we already went to the Stanton one. The, the Ozuna one. We went through that one in the second episode, which you guys could watch in the uh, podcast feed, and it's also on YouTube, so we'll get into that one. That was That's an A-plus trade, in my opinion. Uh, Marlins got Cooper, who, who's who been great, and then they get Caleb Smith, who looked like a like an ace. At some point, he looked like an ace. They get Starlin Marte off of um, from, from Caleb Smith, so your thoughts on the trade and how it's worked out now in 2021? 
Yeah, Caleb was really good. You know, Caleb, and obviously you guys know about Garrett Cooper. And Caleb Smith pitched really well in 2018. He pitched really well in 2019. And they sold high on Caleb Smith, which is absolutely fire. They Him and Humberto Mejia for Starling Marte. So really that trade has come a long way. Michael King has potential. He's with the Yankees. And he, you know, he's gonna he's gonna pitch well. He's gonna be fine. But for the first trade ever of the Jeter Sherman era, that's an A trade, like you said, Kevin. And that was definitely a good one. It was one of the few really good ones, along with the Sandy one. And you can even see the Pablo Lopez one as well. But that one, uh, Michael King for Gary Cooper and Caleb Smith, A plus in my book. Payoff pitch coming. This will fly ball out to deep left center field. Gary Cooper. And the first, I guess, signing was um, was yeah. Brian Holiday. We all remember him now. He yeah. he was in he was, it was a minor league contract, and he was invited to spring training. So he, he had his moments on the Marlins. Obviously, I think he's now with the Baltimore Orioles. That was the last time I saw him. I think it was the 2020 season. He was there. Very interesting guy. He he wasn't too good at all, but he he had his moments. I, I would say. Yeah, he had to play a lot more because I think Real Muto opened the 2018 season on the IL, on the DL back then, I think it was called. Yeah, correct. He had to play a lot more. Him and Chad Wallach were splitting time, and I remember Wallach got off to like a horde start, and his dad was the bench coach. It was just an ugly situation. But Holiday had to play a lot in 2018, I believe in 2019 as well. So that was kind of an important signing for, for Miami. Yeah, and then I guess some other notable names I'm, I'm seeing here. We have Yadiel Rivera. Uh, he was – Pretty bad overall. There's no other way to say it. He had his moments as well. But and then there's Drew Nzisky. I, I do remember this name. He I think he made his debut was it against the Giants, if I'm correct. But he he was I guess one of those guys many were talking about. He would he would be pretty good. Yeah, no, I, honestly about Rusinski, I I couldn't tell you, but I remember Yadier Rivera got so much playing time in spring training in 2018 and 2019. <laughs> I think it was, and he got a lot of playing time in the big leagues in the regular season and. That guy could not hit with a tennis racket. It was so frustrating seeing him hit eighth every single day. But now he, he did have some walk-offs, as you guys can see on the screen. He had, a, I think, a walk-off sack fight and a walk-off laser single to right center at one point. So he had some moments for sure. And another, and now that I'm thinking of it, another bright spot about that season was Harlan Harlan Garcia. He he was really good. He 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 started. He was a starter at some point. And I was saying, oh, this guy's going to be pretty good. He, he's, he seems like he could be a pretty good piece in that in that starting rotation. Uh, I don't know if you want to go a little bit yeah. into Harlan Garcia and the season yeah. he had. Yeah, Harlan was really good. And they, for some reason that me, I think Eli even mentioned as well, we couldn't figure out that they just got rid of him for nothing, if I'm not mistaken. I think they gave up on him really soon. I, yeah, they think they designated him. I don't know if Eli can confirm that. For us really quick but yeah that was a very peculiar move that they just got rid of him i think it was post 2019 if i'm not mistaken but that, that definitely was a bright spot in the 2018 season and then another another move here is the start of the chad wallach era he was claimed off the cincinnati reds uh we see how that's worked out um this was you told me this the other day i think the first question they asked Jeter was that they were going to pick up the the contract Ichiro. of Ichiro, right and yeah, he and elected free agency that year so very interesting yeah. there. Yeah, that was that was funny. That was in the inaugural press conference of Sherman and Jeter. Once one reporter met him in Barry Jackson. I think it was Barry Jackson. He asked him like, "Oh, Ichiro has a thing, has a con um, option. Are you gonna pick it up?" And he's like, "It's my first day, guys. I'm not. I don't, I'm not gonna answer that question." That's when I knew that things were gonna shit was gonna hit the fan. And then another name I could remember here is Javi Guerra. 
Um, mm-hmm. Eliezer, this was the season they got him from the Rule Five. Mm-hmm. They made the the Ozun the, the the fire still the fire still began on December fourteenth when they traded Ozuna for that incredible, um, that the nice haul that we got back, which just turned into Jazz Chisholm and some other guys too. So I don't know if you want to get into I guess some of those players and name mentioned like a uh, Javier. Uh, there was Eliezer who we spoke about, so we don't get too much into him. They also okay. released Addison Volquez, who was one of the most random no hitters I think we've seen as well. Yeah, he threw a no hitter against the Diamondbacks. Um, one actually fascinating name that I remember they signed was Jacob Turner, who was that was his second stint yep. with Miami. Miami traded Infante and Anibal Sanchez to Detroit for Turner, Brian Flynn, and Rob Brantley, I think it was. And Turner was like, you know, a top draft pick, a top prospect, and he just never panned out for reasons I don't know why. And then, you know, after going around the majors, Miami took a flyer on him again out of the bullpen, and he sucked again, and then he went to the Nationals. But I remember Jacob Turner's second stint with Miami. Neither of them generated much results, but that was a name to to remember for sure. Just he played four games, and he had a 15.88 ERA. He he was horrid. There's another way to say it. In 2012, he was one and four. He had a three 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 ERA. And then he gets dealt right back to Detroit that same season, right? He got released. Yeah, so, yeah, he got. Yeah, he was right before the the Javi Guerra signing. And uh, I mean, I'm just going through the the transaction page. The transactions page. Yeah, there's not there's so many names that that you just look at and you're like, who are these guys? Because the Marlins Ortega signed a lot some, of guys. Yeah, Ortega had some some at bats with Miami that year as well, and kick. Riley well. Mann was assigned to the Marlins. That's another name to keep in mind. Cameron Maben making a second stint with the Marlins. Brian Anderson. Scott Van Slyke, Scott Van Slyke was an NRI, and he had, I think those two home runs in opening day of spring training, and one of them was a grand slam or something, and he just never got – he never made the team, which is weird because he was, you know, someone that Miami could have used. And was this the season of uh, P- Peter O'Brien as well when he yes, came so up in 2018? That's another – he was Mr. September. Yeah, he was Mr. September, and everyone was saying he's starting for his baseman, and he had a horrid spring training. Gary Cooper beat him out, luckily, and so Gary Cooper was the starter in 2019. Yeah, P- Peter O'Brien is currently now in the DR, if I'm correct. So he played with with guys like Brian De La Cruz, uh, Jesus Sanchez this season in the, in the yeah. team that they are, Dos Todos. So, yeah, and Eli's going to show us the tweet. Yeah, there it is. Peter O'Brien living his best life in the Dominican Winter League. He's played. He's played well. I mean, there's another way to say he's played well in the Dominican league, and I yeah, guess we could power. say good for him. Yeah, he's got power. That's about it. Another name I remember, I'm I'm seeing now, Isaac Galloway. He had yeah. he had an interesting story. He was pretty good for the Marlins in the very very short stint, but I think he was up there in age, if I'm correct. Yeah, you know what, Isaac Galloway he has a great name. Isaac Galloway, he I think he had a ten years in the minors, something like that, and he finally got his chance because he was in the, he was with the New Orleans Zephyrs for a while and Baby Cakes, and he just never got a shot. He finally did get a chance, and he played some solid center field. I think he hit his first career home run, or maybe not. But Isaac Galloway was a he was a cool one. I was always I remembered his name for a while for obvious reasons, but he was a he's a cool guy who didn't you know obviously he hit, get he hit three homers in twenty eighteen. He didn't did. hit one in 2019. So yeah, that's why. And and I now that I think of it, this was the final year. 2018 was the final year of the old Marlins logo. So they yes. didn't rebrand until 2019. There's so Correct. much to, I guess, talk about 2018 when you look at it. I'm just looking through that transactions page. 
Monte Harrison was a, I think that was the start of his time in the Marlins. Zach Gallen was a, a non-roster invite. Jordan Yamamoto didn't come in 2018, but he came into 2019. Just well, that I mean, yeah, all those guys were, you know, every player acquired in those big trades and the all the yellow Chozuno sand trades, all those guys first year in the organization was 2018, Yamamoto included. They were all yeah. in the minor leagues. The only ones that made their debuts that year, Miami debuts in the big leagues was Brinson. I think Sandy pitched a little bit later in the season. But other than that, those are the only guys to make their debuts in, in, in Marlins Park anyway. I think you're going to hate me for the name I'm about to say, but Wayne Chen, Wayne Chen was a Marlin. He was placed on the 10-day disabled list. Uh, not not a good stint with Miami. N nothing to say to the least. I think a lot of up and ups and downs. He, he had a great relation with Jose Fernandez, though. Yeah, another Scott Boris client who, you know, uh, tricked Laurie into giving him that fifth year for $80 million, which is crazy. But, yeah, he never amounted to anything. So, and I'll never forget that they, they started him on opening day in 2016 instead of Jose against a right-handed heavy Detroit Tigers lineup. And, of course, he got racked. That was just frustrating how many starts Wei and Chen got. I, don't, I, don't, I still don't understand why they started Chen over Fernandez. But... It was it was because Jose was coming off TJ, and they were trying oh, to – Oh, okay, okay. It still made no sense because Jose pitched the second game of the season, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 2018, Sandy did pitch. He pitched six games. He, uh, I'm trying to find a, the actual stats here. Oh, here they are. Uh, yeah, he pitched six games. He went uh, two and three, 344 ERA, 34 innings pitched. He gave up three homers. Pretty solid, 30 strikeouts. He had a FIP of one of 4.75. So, yeah, Sandy did make, I guess, his Marlins debut at the time. I saw him in 2019, the season after. It was a game against the Mets. I know Eli has a gif in that. Yeah, we I think we did we see Mag, Mags in that season 2018 or no? I don't think we did. I don't if, if anything, it must have been very, very little. But Brian Ellington was I know he made his major league. Ellington, if it was 100 miles an hour, did nothing. Um, I know Sierra made his major league debut in 2017 for the Cardinals. I don't know if he played in the big leagues in 2018 with Miami. The Marlins made a lot of moves in, in, um, oh, Joe Dunan, your buddy Joe Dunan is on the uh. Was a, was a big time guy for the Marlins. He was uh, Alex Rodriguez's is a nephew. Yes. Yeah. So Joe Joe Dunan was on the Marlins. He still is. Just yeah. looking at these names now and just seeing how they've turned out, it, it, I think it's what's most interesting. I guess we could say. Yeah, because that's you know we're into year five of the new Sherman of the Sherman Jeter era, and you know 2018 was the first year, and so now we're going into year five. You would hope there's a lot of differences. For the better, and which there are, you look at that starting rotation, which is Urania, Chen, Richard, Straley, Smith, to comparing to what it is now. And, you know, you team really has improved, but it hasn't exactly translated into playoff appearances quite yet, other than one. But we'll, we'll see how 2022 plays out. I feel horrible not mentioning this name, but Martin Prado was in the Marlins. This was his second to last season on the team. He, um, he played 54 games, so he, he was injured through most of it. Yeah. He had 209 plate appearances. He had 48 hits. He hit one homer, and then he had a 244 batting average, 287 OBP, 307 slugging, 592 uh, OPS. I think at this point, the role that Miggy has now is what Martin Prado had on that Marlins team. I don't know if you would agree with me, Isaac. Yeah, similar. Definitely similar. You know, Prado was obviously a lot more tenured than uh, Rojas is now. Prado, you know, was one hell of a hitter his entire career, especially with the Braves. But yeah, eventually you will see Rojas, you know, sort of 
take that captain's cap. He has the unofficial cap now. So maybe like in a couple of years, you can see him have that sort of role that Prado did. Uh, yep. And uh, some other interesting games, and then we'll move on to the final, I guess, topic. Dan Straley was a Marlin. Was that the season he uh, they cut him in the middle of spring training? Was that after in 2019? I'm pretty sure it's 2019. I believe so, yeah. Straley, yeah, Straley pitched in the big leagues in 2018. Straley was, was pretty good for the Marlins. I mainly remember him for his good hitting. He 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 had some moments there, and I know in Cincinnati he had a good moment where he hit. Uh, I think he he liked it. He he was one of those guys who took that seriously. Uh, Audrey Mer de Spain was a Marlin. Nit Wickren, JT Riddle. He he was a highly, uh, he was a guy who many thought he would be pretty good, or he would result into something. At least I was at the time. I wasn't a big yeah, follower. Nick Wickren. Nick Wickren was another guy that they sort of. I think he's with Cleveland now. He was another guy that they sort of gave up on kind of quickly, even though he had tremendous minor league numbers he was a closer in his minor league career and he made his major league debut with miami and they sort of gave up on him kind of quickly so that was a that was a that was a that was a big name as well he was a top 30 prospect at some point too he is currently a cleveland garden so yeah he was with the marlins since 2016 he played three seasons in that final season he was a two and one he was two and one 294 era uh 33 innings pitch he he didn't save any games but he had 31 strikeouts this guy was good there's no other way to say he was really good uh, the Marlins gave up on him. Maybe where would you see him now? I mean, the, the bullpen would be a lot better. He'd be in the bullpen. And uh, another guy, really, I guess, wanted to talk about to end it off is JT Riddle. He was someone who was up and down with the Marlins. He played a long time with them too. So that's the final one. He's currently on the Twins. So in that 2018 season, he played 102 games. He was a 231 batting average. He had nine homers, 71 hits. And I don't know if there's any last touch-ups touch you want to have on uh, the 2018 Miami Marlins, and then we'll get into the final segment. Yeah, no, Riddle was interesting. He had that big moment in 2017. He had that walk-off home run against the Mets where the kid hits it out. Um, but he was just, you know, a very limited player offensively. We thought he might be like a high-average sort of kind of contact guy, but he didn't get on base enough, didn't slug. They tried him out in center field for a little bit, and that didn't really work out. So, you know, they – they moved on from him, and just to touch on anything in 2018, that was Dietrich's and Boer's sort of last hurrah with Miami, which was interesting because they they had some nice moments with Miami, especially Boer in 2017 in the Derby and everything. But that 2018 season, I don't know which one was worse, that one or 2019 or 2021. They were all pretty bad, but 2018 was just sort of like the beginning of that of the new regime. So that, other than that, I think we touched on everything significant of that season yeah and i just all right this isn't even loading forget it um yeah let's move on to the final uh i guess usual thing that we do on the show which is the my the random marlin of the day so we're gonna start it off with you isaac and i know you have your guy yeah no mine is mine's a fun one he didn't have the longest tenure in miami el caballo as tommy Hunt likes to call him el caballo el gano he uh he was traded in miami at the close to the trade deadline while Miami was playing Milwaukee in 2012. And 2012 was the first season that MLB instituted the second wildcard team. So that sort of put like middle-ish, middle ground teams at an awkward position saying, okay, look, there's a second wildcard team. Maybe we have more of a chance than we did last year. And that's exactly the predicament that Miami found themselves in. So what they needed that year was offense. And they had Gabby Sanchez at first base. And as you guys know, Carlos Lee is a first baseman. And Gabby Sanchez could not hit the ball with a tennis racket to be tried. He was struggling so hard, which was weird because he was coming off an all-star season in 2011, I believe it was. 
and he was a homegrown guy, a UM guy who we thought was going to be really good. Gabby Sanchez never really flourished in 2012. So Miami needed some offense, especially at first base. They traded for Carlos Lee, for Matt Dominguez, I think it was, and Rob Rasmussen. And in the, you know, the same day that they traded for him, Gabby Sanchez had the biggest home run of his life, tying the game in the ninth inning against Milwaukee in a huge series, in the middle of July series, off John Axford, the great closer at the time. And right after the game, that season was televised on um, – on the on the franchise and they showed michael hill larry Beinfest, and uh ozzy guillen saying listen gabby thank you so much for the home run but we're sending you down we traded for carlos lee and carlos lee had some decent moments he was good for miami but he wasn't enough to put them over the top and put them into playoff contention so then miami continued to sell off that year trading hanley trading uh infante trading anibal trading a lot of guys but carlos lee was a was a very random marlin who had a had an interesting second half with Miami in 2012 it was he he that was his final season in MLB so he had a 243 batting average uh three three third he played 81 games uh 71 hits he had four homers so that was his final season as a major leaguer from what baseball reference is yeah. showing so yeah it was different for him to hit in the ginormous Marlins Park at the time where there was no fences in it was 418 with a 35 foot wall in field it was tough for him to go from minute Maid park and the crawford box seats his right-handed hitting guy to uh to marlins park so i think that's something that miami didn't really take into consideration but he was a good hitter and he was an upgrade over gabby sanchez the rest of the way but it wasn't anywhere near enough because just everyone else was not performing yeah so my my random marlin is a guy who's with the team for four years but he was pretty bad uh Man. thomas talis thomas talis he was a catcher he didn't flourish with the Marlins too much. His best season, I guess you could say, was 2016, but he was only he was only in 10 games. He batted 308. But I mean, you could connect this to 2018, which was his final year with the Marlins. He had a 207 batting average, 31 plate appearances, 23 games, six hits, no homers. During his four years with the Marlins, he hit one home run, which yikes. And he had a total of uh 15 or uh, 14 hits uh, RBIs. So it was bad. He was not good with the Marlins. His best season overall where he played the most was 2017. He was a 240 batting batting average. He uh 279 OBP, 346 slugging, 625 OPS. That was his best season because he played the most. And that was the season after uh that was the season right before the Lori era. So I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit of uh Thomas Delis here. Yeah, a little switch hitting. I think offensive-minded catcher is never the best catcher. I know Alex Ferrer, shout out, you know, PACA for uh, loving this guy. Uh, he was just someone – I forgot how Miami acquired him. That's someone I totally forgot. He just randomly was there. He was a top 30 prospect guy for some reason. I guess it just sort of says more about the state of the system at the time. But, yeah, he was a fun guy. He switch hit and hit. You know, he was a fun guy to follow, but, you know, no one of real – not of really real significance – for Miami in his short tenure. Yeah, and he's currently with the um <laughs> this is way too funny. Yeah, Tomas Delisi. He, he this guy for Alex loved Tomas Delisi. He even did a nice little voiceover of his first career triple, I think it was. The two two fastball right down the tits. It's going to the wall. Two runs should score here. Freddie waving Marcel around. Dietrich right behind him. Can I get it to Elise Navidad, the king of Miami with his fourth triple of the year? 
if you guys have any other um you know player random Marlins you guys want to mention and you two tell us in the comments you can also follow Isaac at, at Isaac Azut and me at Kevin underscore Barral. So you could guys ask us questions. I think we pretty much stopped getting questions from you guys. I don't know why. No, it's my bad completely. It's just something I forgot. But uh, I'll definitely be grabbing those questions out since there's a lockout. There's, there's scarce things we could cover. But, uh, yeah, Isaac, any last words on 2018 Marlins or I guess anything we covered today? No, definitely nothing else on the 2018 Marlins. Just everyone have a safe New Year's. It's going to get crazy. I think you'll be hearing this in what a, the, on the January first. 1st. So we'll ring you in with the new year. Um, hopefully there'll be some more developments with the lockout soon. Probably not January 1st, but late January, early February is the hope. And yeah, we'll be, we'll be still coming to you bi-weekly for the foreseeable future. Yeah, next next episode is going to be a fun one. I'm definitely excited. I'm not going to say who the guest is, but it's going to be a packed episode. This one won't be – it won't be a short one. I think it will go maybe over an hour because of how much we could cover for that episode. But, yeah, for me and Isaac Azut, we'll see you guys on the next one, and uh, peace out. We got to end it off right. <laughs>